While I was researching the plight of international students in Australia, I came across an article via Twitter called Whose Side Are We On? That blog article touched aspects of human behavior when dealing with crisis and touched upon its impact on Australia's own overseas students and others on short-term visas. Inspired, I reached out to the writer and asked him if he would consider joining me on this podcast. And guess what? He is with us on this show. Matt, welcome. Thank you for the warm welcome and the kind words. It's, it's a pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. Before we get started, I just want to give a little bit of background information about yourself, so please bear with me. Matt Novachevsky is a planner, placemaker, designer, facilitator, tutor, and currently working on a PhD at the University of Melbourne. He has more than 10 years of experience in local government, specializing in place-based planning practice and community engagement. That's a wonderful, interesting life, Matt. How did you get into that line of study and career? I suppose in life we, uh, we meander th- through things and we have a number of careers. My, uh, yeah, my, my trajectory, I guess, led me back to a love for the environment and a love for, for place, that thing we, we take for granted but really is the world in which we're enmeshed um, and we live in so richly without actually realising. And so that's led me on this particular trajectory um, and I've enjoyed it so much. I've ended up doing a PhD and doing a lot of teaching work. So uh, working with international students and scholars from all around the world and colleagues who are, are really inspirational in the way that they approach uh, their work and their contribution that they make to society. Going back to that article you wrote a few days ago on your website, an article that many have appreciated on social media, and what got my attention was how you depicted the mentality with which humans handle crisis. You referred to a novel that you had been reading called The Plague, and from it you shared this remarkable sentence, which I would like to read out for our listeners. Here it is. All I maintain is that on this earth there are pestilences and there are victims. And it's up to us, so far as possible, not to join forces with the pestilences. Can you share with us, Matt, what that sentence means to you in everyday context, and particularly in our current COVID-19 scenario? Very happy to. Um, So for a little bit of context, The Plague, written by Albert Camus in, in 1948, is one of the great philosophical novels, and it uh, concerns well, given the title, an outbreak of a bubonic plague-like disease um, in a fictional Algerian town. And um, the stories, I mean, the, the studies into the human psyche and the ways in which people respond to this situation are really quite evocative and give us a frame for how, for the choices that we make in everyday life. Now, of course, the pestilence that Camus was referring to can be many things and they manifest in everyday life in many ways and that was clear to me when I first read the book 20 years ago and I've tried to use it as something of a compass for life since. So the uh, character who utters that phrase is a, a wanderer uh, named Jean Taru who ends up stuck in um, in the town and he makes the conscious decision to um, not join forces with the pestilences. He works hard saving the lives or seeking to save the lives of people that he hasn't actually met before. And I guess it calls us into this great question of whose side are we on, but also seeing the pestilences in our society. I mean, I've long thought of it as a great allegory for things like climate change. Um, And many have read into uh, the plague 
that given the timing, for example, that Camus was writing with, um, with reference to fascism. So pestilence is manifest in every way and it's up to us to A, be aware of them and B, make conscious choices about how we act um, in the light of these situations. And for you, what was the main takeaway message when you look at the world around you um, at the moment? Do you keep, do you find yourself going back to this book and finding, uh, you know, key statements that's helping you get through this phase as well? Well, I'm kind of reassured that um, there's not uh, that's very hard to find copies on shelves at the moment. You can, of course, find ebooks if you are seeking to read it, and I encourage anyone listening to do so. It's it's um, it's powerful and brilliant. Um, there's a lot that we take from from books like these, and I guess rereading them, we find different things. But it really calls me into thinking about compassion, but also thinking consciously about who is being uh, left behind and who is, if you like, being victimised, although I don't necessarily like that term, um, in the wake of the current situation with COVID-19. That doesn't just mean people who um, who contract the virus or the, and the associated illness, but it also means those who are being made to bear the burdens or who are being left out of support initiatives or who are being alienated um, through policy decisions. And I think over the last week it's become really clear that the boundaries of society are being redrawn with particular exclusions being made. And I find that comment of Jean Tadou's and other elements of the book um, all the more relevant as this situation continues to unfold. And is that how you connected um your observations, your understanding from the book, your personal life experience with the plight of international students? Was it a personal observation or did something in the media trigger you to think that way? I think it's um, it's it's the book that has framed a lot of my thinking in life since I read it. Um, and I've tried to live up to its, its premises as best as I can, um, which is demanding when you're working with existential philosophy. Um, I have um, taught and studied with um, people from around the world for the last five or so years, thinking back, and um, I've always been conscious of the situation that um, people who come from around the world to study in Australia find themselves in, the challenges of working through, for example, the housing market, of doing particularly postgraduate degrees in a second language is a remarkable accomplishment and a remarkable endeavour. Um, and you add up these kinds of um, burdens that come with the opportunity, if you like, or challenges. I'll call them challenges rather than burdens. And it's a heck of a lot to take on. And so I think we really ought be guided um, by compassion in our in our teaching, um, but also in how we respond to people that do come to Australia and have to make their way through, you know, systems that are difficult for native-born English speakers even to navigate. And also um, that's, you know, not even considering the challenges of working um, extra hours to have an income to buy food, for example, and pay rent. There's a lot that goes on, and I've seen um, from my own experience or conversations I've had the gravity of the contributions that... Um, our scholars from around the world make to Australia, but also the challenges that they take on and the, the grace and good humour that um, the, they often carry these, these challenges with. 
as you know, there are over perhaps close to 500,000 international students in the country, and they bring in anywhere from $35 billion to $40 billion to the economy with the fees they pay, the jobs they do, the skill shortages they fulfill. And of course, you have the tourists and other short-term visa holders who contribute money in their own way. Then why are these group of people just not important at this point in time that as you mentioned, there seems to be a clear exclusion between citizens, residents, and everybody else. I can't answer uh, that question, and it's a great disappointment to me and of great sadness, if you like, that um, this is the um, a, a perception that's very hard um, not to have. Um, I'll take the question in two parts. The fact that... Um, we, we talk about um, tertiary education as an economic industry, if you like, in Australia or an export industry even, is in some ways, I mean, I, I find it philosophically quite problematic and I know a lot of people do. Um, it's the nature of um, the evolution of economy but also conscious government policy um, in the tertiary sector, bipartisan policy for a number of years. So this is a situation that's been created by governments, universities and various systems within Australia. So I would have thought that the responsibility comes back to actually support the people that, that come here and make that economy tick over. So that's, I guess, the first part of it. Um, the second person, the second question you ask cuts to how boundaries in society are being redrawn at the moment. And I can't speak to um, the motivations for that, although there are lots of theories um, that might explain why people are being excluded at the moment in particular ways or um, people are being left out of, of support schemes and so on. Um, as I say, it's, a, it's an element of great sadness um, and also um, a, a kind of, well, it's, it's important that people are actually aware of how these boundaries are being redrawn and what keeps unfolding in front of us. But it's also important to make conscious choices about siding with the people uh, who need our, our support and our compassion. And I only hope that that's, that ethos is what motivates the rest of the COVID response and perhaps leads to some, um, some, uh, some changes in mentality and decision-making. That's a good point because right now, if you look at all the um, those supporting care for international students, everyone seems to be using the, the money aspect of it. They're worth $35 billion. They're worth $45 billion. Hence, we need to look after them. Otherwise, it's going to hit the Australian economy. At first, I, it didn't hit me much, but as I kept reading article after article, and I spoke with a gentleman a few days ago on the previous episode um, of uh, the plight of international students, it dawned on me that we're forgetting love, care, and compassion and hospitality. Um, anyone within the territory of Australia, or for that matter, any Australian standard overseas, they should be dealt with as humans, as people who are fear, scared, uh, confused, and, and needs help. And any government should be looking after uh, those people rather than looking at them only from an ec economic point of view. Yeah, I couldn't Just agree my thought. More. No, I couldn't agree more, and I, I completely endorse uh, what you've just said. Um, in uh, again, in two parts, I um, I see 
the uh, the urge to talk about the economic aspect um, as a way of speaking language, if you like, that we think that um, federal federal decision makers will understand and will actually resonate. And I think that's that's one aspect as to why that's being used right now and being spoken of. But um, to me, the much more important part is the human aspect in what's at stake here. The economic contribution is one thing, but the, the, the contributions that um, the international students and people from around the world in academia and other sectors make, um, they really manifest in friendships, in hours of work, in many, many millions of small acts and deeds and in what they learn and what they use to make a difference in their lives, both in Australia and elsewhere around the world. Now, you can't measure that in money. And um, I think there's one of the lessons that um, I would hope might come from uh, from this, but from other, other situations in the state of the world at the moment, is that we stop reverting to uh, to money as a way of measuring the worth of things and the full value of things. Absolutely, absolutely. A week and a half ago, I think it was about a week and a half ago, the government had four main messages um, or solutions for for the international students particularly, and that was if you are in trouble or if you're stuck, number one, you use your personal funds to look after yourself. Number two, you access your superannuation. And number three, seek mental health support from your educational providers and number four go back home Um, if you were the government minister who had to roll out a plan how would you have approached the management of the international students and the short-term visa holders Uh, what would you have done differently there's a lot um, uh, to add there and to, to contemplate, but I would start with the whole guiding ethic of of the response, which, as you've articulated, it basically says this situation is your responsibility, you're on your own, go to your education provider or go back home. And um, that is not motivated by an ethic of care or compassion, Um and I wonder what happens if we actually envisage a response that is motivated by care and compassion and generates, if you like, cycles of goodwill that people can carry through not only the rest of their study, but the rest of their lives. And I mean, you, you just go to universities now and you see the intergenerational links between universities and people that have come from across the world to study here in Australia. And that's that's quite remarkable. Um, I see evidence of it at Melbourne University where I am um, uh, lucky enough to be able to, uh, to, to work and teach, although obviously offline at the moment in the current circumstances. This is actually quite a remarkable gift to our society and it's born from goodwill and from interactions of care and, and challenge and learning and mutual learning and cultural exchange rather than the purely financial. And um, I, if we use that as a, as a kind of a template and a starting point to guide the response, I'm sure that um, things would look very different. And I suspect that for people in, in my position and others in, in academia or others that know um, international students from around the world, the fact that this sort of ethos of compassion and this understanding of the contribution uh, that students from around the world make um, the fact that this is isn't being um, uh, considered, if you like, in the response so clearly, 
is a great a great source of sadness and disappointment and um there are a lot of of of, of people in my shoes who are, are thinking about what we can do constructively to make a difference in this environment let's assume matt you are a international student phd student stranded overseas or perhaps even a fruit picker in a non-english speaking country going through this crisis and over the last few days i've been reading articles and uh, reading social media uh, conversations um, of australians stuck overseas uh, americans stuck overseas brits stuck overseas you name it different people stuck all over the world and and the pain that they're going through um i just want to visualize let's assume you were stuck and you can't fly out you have no family nearby you have no friends your casual job is gone money is running out what kind of emotions do you think you would be running uh going through you uh, what do you want to hear from the authorities and and what do you want to get from the government uh, yeah what what is your expectations from them Well, let's maybe go back a step even and say, look, I I work with um, PhD PhD candidates from around the world who are here on on um, on international scholarships, and um, I can I can tell you similar arrangements, and I can tell you that um, the messages, the words uh, from the Prime Minister um, and others have been quite um, quite hurtful um, and have had. an unpleasant impact and of course they're expected to continue going through the process and going through and doing their research in quite complex areas amid that backdrop um now i guess one of the challenges is to um is to even sit back and say well look if your son or daughter was in this position on the other side of the world then what would you expect what would you what 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 would you hope for and i think the first thing is about um about safety and and a message of of care and understanding but also practical measures to say well look if um if you 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 can't fly out which is quite a likely scenario given borders are closed in in many places if you don't have support around you um we've 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 got your back we we will help you um through this process there are services um that you can access and that we appreciate the contribution uh, that you have made um in Australia and this is an element of supporting you and saying thank you i mean i think those are fairly fundamental off the top of my head without writing anything down fairly powerful um gestures and messages and um it's it's it speaks volumes what's not being said just as much as what is being said at the moment i think that's beautifully said matt i wish you were one of our ministers perhaps it's uh, another area you could uh, focus on years to come i'll vote for you matt i'll be careful what you wish for my nourishment thank you so much <laughs> and finally what's your what's your message for society at large going going through this crisis perhaps not just maybe you could you know specifically have a message for international students specific to their parents specific to your neighbors and friends around the world what would what would your message be yeah thank you um look i i think one of the one of the big things is to know that there are people in in australia that do care and that do see the situation um and even for those australians that aren't necessarily aware or engaged with the tertiary sector um there are um 
um, many, many of those people, once they see the human nature of the situation and they see the human face, um, will be, be, be touched and be empathetic and be caring and maybe even reach out in their own way to try and make a difference. And um, I guess this is something I could look at trying to, to catalyze uh, myself. Um, that's the first part of it, and to know that um, there are broadly people in Australia that, that do care. Um, for um, the students themselves, again, the, the, the key thing being that people do have your back, um, the people who've your, – your friendships that you've made, your relationships, the work, hard work that you've done is, uh, is appreciated. and There are people that, um, that, that do care and that do want to help. Um, ditto for, uh, for the tourists as well and the contributions that they have made while being here and the workers in a huge variety of industries, many of whom are still doing a lot of what, what, what's classified as essential work around Australia, um, which is stunning when you think about it. And there was a beautiful piece in The Guardian, uh, a beautiful video about that this week in Britain, and I suspect there's a similar phenomenon here. Um, for the institutions, I, I think it's so important to to consider um, and walk carefully regarding the need to be empathetic, the gravity of the situation. This is an instance where empathy is incredibly important. Um, but even if you can't completely empathise, then compassion and listening are remarkably significant gestures. And I think that's that's the case for as, as universities are finding out that need to listen now is so significant, um, particularly given how quickly and um, the strange ways, if you like, in which this situation is unfolding. And for governments at all levels, I mean, the primary ethic, the primary thing here is is compassion without spoiling um, the endings or the grander insights towards the end of, of Camus' book. Compassion is, um, and being good to your, your fellow being, is really uh, the ethic that ought guide us in responding to pandemics of any variety. That was once again beautifully said, and I'm sure your insights, your heartfelt thoughts have helped those in need greatly, those who listen to the show and those who read your articles, and get, get them to stand up and take positive action. Dear listeners, if you want to catch Matt, he's on Twitter as places underscore calling. So that's places underscore calling and his website is placemat.net p-l-a-c-e-m-a-t-t.net great articles there and i'm a big fan and i hope to be reading more and more articles from him and the article i refer to in this particular episode is whose side are we on matt thank you once again for coming on the show and i hope i hope you had somewhat of a good time Absolutely. It was lovely speaking with you and thanks for the inspiration to, uh, to keep working. All the best to you and yours and to your listeners as well. And uh, I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, Matt.